Hello and welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 1, Episode 4, The Gauntlet. Alright, the original air date for this episode was October 21st, 1985. It was directed by Lee Katzen, who we'd seen previously directing the opening gambit uh, to Thief of Budapest. Um, And it was written by Stephen Kandel, who we'll see again uh, very soon here. Um, And it looks like the opening gambit was also directed by Lee Katzen here. And it was written by Judy Burns. Um, and that's the map. The map, um, yeah. Opening gambit. So, um, let's do a quick description of the the opening gambit for this one. Okay. Well, uh, the opening gambit for this episode involves uh, MacGyver in some uh, Arabian city retrieving a map from a office of some kind, just some some office, some kind of target uh, heavy map, right. uh, and his escape from that. The actual episode. Uh, is about a photojournalist who needs to get out of a Central American country with incriminating photographs that she has for the upcoming potential coup that's that a military general has in mind. Cool. All right, then uh, let's get into the the longer uh, descriptions of each of these. Um, so yeah, the map opening gambit is uh, probably the best one of. Of uh, definitely the best of what we've seen so far. Yeah, I really, really like this one. I love the music, and I, re- you know, as silly as it the map uses become, I really enjoy that. That was the gimmick. That was the one gimmick for this whole opening gambit. Yeah, and I get that um, the the pilot they had an opening gambit that used an actual pilot, but I think this would have been a m- more solid start for the show <laughs> in right. terms of like describing. Ha- how MacGyver functions as a hero that he finds a thing that you use every day and he finds 20 different ways to use it mm-hmm. and it also like even with the the opening monologue like the sort of like introduction that he's giving in, in voiceover he explains that he had this den mother Freifogel and that her motto was to be prepared oh yeah it's a boy scout that's the boy scout motto yeah and it's the first introduction of of his his boyhood being in Minnesota, I believe. I, I don't think he mentions it before mm. this point, but yeah. So he basically needs to steal this map from uh, this little office. Yeah, yeah it's just like an office in the city. He he knows he seems to know right where it is. Yeah, uh, and he repels down the side of this building to a window, which he then pops open with his trusty Swiss Army knife. Yeah, and uh, inside there's the map up on a bulletin board full of other like photographs of targets and little lines leading to each one but then he he just rips the map off so he doesn't take any of the other subsequent information that would make the map a little bit more useful as uh as a means of identifying where not just the general location of where but where specifically with the photographs of the buildings and whatnot yeah but still all he has is a map of targets but each of the target had a line coming off that directed the viewer's attention to a very specific target in that city like Atlanta is marked off, and then there's a line coming to a sheet of paper with all the information to the, on the Atlanta target. Right. And he leaves all the targets on the wall and just takes the map just of the America. Map. <laughs> a, map which, of, a map of America. We, MacGyver, we already have these. We forgot what our borders were. MacGyver, we need you to steal this American map. There's only one left. Uh, but then the fun part of his escape using the map for every tool. Except so, as a map. Except as a map. That's the only thing he doesn't use it for. So... 
he tries to go back out the window, but uh, I think someone spots him. He lingers a little too long in the window for yeah. my for my comfort. Um, and uh, someone spots him in, up in the window, and uh, just I guess they're not really so they're not. I don't really they believe that they're part of that whatever organization. I think they're just random police soldiers that are in the area uh, because they don't seem really seem to be connected to any kind of group. Yeah. It, that that was very unclear as to what was going on. Like obviously the map is important, but these soldiers didn't seem like they were the type of people who would be planning some kind of attack. They just seemed like police, city police. But it also seems like there's like sort of a military installation set up in this little village. Like yeah. it seems like one out of every 10 people is in uniform. That's true. Yeah. And they're all after him. Right. So he tries to leave through the office main door, but it's locked from the outside, which doesn't make a lot of sense. In... <laughs> yeah, they didn't want the map to escape on its own. Yeah, so, so they locked the door from the hallway <laughs> side lock that and left the key in the door in case someone wanted to just take the key. Yeah, uh, it's a very, very trustworthy. So um, he slides the map under the door and then pops the key out through the other side and catches it in the map and slides it back underneath the door. Right, which is a very cool move. Yeah. Uh, and then he uh, he just quick ducks around a corner while the guards go into the office, and then he runs past them while they're all in the office. Yeah. Um, and that's when uh, – so he makes his way through the city after that, and he comes – like he wants to grab a disguise from a woman who's hanging laundry. And so he uh, rolls the map up into a pea shooter and then for literally – For literal peas. For literal peas. <laughs> and uh, shoots him at the ankle of this woman who – this very reacts very, very alarmed to yeah, something. She's like, oh my her. god, what was that? It <laughs> she, could easily have been a fly crashing into. Yeah, her, or like... she's got chickens around too. I yeah, guess. Yeah. I mean, like they could have been pecking around. Yeah. Um, but just long enough for him to steal like a robe, which doesn't really, really ends up just being a waste of time because he's immediately caught. Yeah, he made it all the way to her in the clothes that he was already wearing. Yeah. And then he decided he needed to wear this robe for. For another for few the seconds. ten seconds that it took him to get to a wall around a corner. Um, so before he can make it up over the wall, uh, one of the guards spots him, asks for the map back, and so MacGyver goes to hand him the map in a in a general motion of handing handing it over. But then he swings and hits the gun out of his hand with the map, and you're kind of like, going, "Wait, what? Yeah. How, how is he doing that with a map?" Um, but then he slides out this really thick iron bar. <laughs> that he had concealed in the rolled up map. Yeah. So, of course, like this guard did not know, literally did not know what hit him. Yeah. Um, so he makes his jump back over the wall just after uh, some other guards start opening fire and he's running across the desert. He comes to a dune, which the next map use, he uses it as a sled. Yeah. <laughs> he slides and we, down. It sort of cuts to, it looks like there's maybe like a styrofoam or some kind of a, yeah. like a foam sled that he's using but it's it's in the shape of a map it's kind of rolled up on one edge yeah yeah exactly it's like toboggan-esque and uh it's so it, it, it's a pretty i think it's a successful stand and it, it's yeah. it conceivably could have been the map if you were just looking at it right and right. he slides it down the hill and these guys aren't able to keep up with him or shoot at him for some yeah. reason um but then hiding over just the the next ridge is a hot air balloon for a dramatic hot air balloon escape and in typical MacGyver fashion, there's no, there's no disguising this hot air balloon. It's like red and blue. Yeah, like red floating. and yellow. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like sitting out in the middle of a desert, stark desert sands. Yeah. But once again, we find out, you know, MacGyver always complains about heights, yet he seems to do everything possible for his escapes. Yeah, all of to... his exits are straight up. Yeah. <laughs> Every time he's trying to get away from a crowd of gunmen. Uh, 
so he you know he, he pulls the gas uh heats up the balloon starts rising up but uh one of the soldiers opens fires and blows a hole in the side of the balloon and uh, so macgyver is forced to patch it with the map but he does he does a good thing like he he actually tears pre-tears off a bunch of strips of tape and right. and it just sticks them to his clothes so that he can do it one-handed because he needs to be holding, holding on to the, the rope, rope. And uh, he, so he patches the balloon uh, with the map, which wouldn't work. But <laughs> yeah, not uh, the way he does it anyway. Yeah, but uh, but then you know makes it for a dramatic escape, and then he closes with uh, I think the line is, "A good map will always get you where you need to go." Right. Um, and someone online had pointed out that it would have been better if he patched it from the inside. But then I think somewhere somewhere else on the MacGyver online forum, someone pointed out that if they were shooting at the balloon and they'd hit it at all, there would mm-hmm. be an entrance and exit wound. Right. <laughs> there would be a second <laughs> hole that he needs the map for. But, I mean, stylistically it works. Maybe they shot out from inside. Like, they shot up the hole in the middle and then it came out of the balloon. Oh, so, that could be. So there's only one hole. But it's, a, they're uh, not really at the right angle for yeah, that. Yeah, it's a pretty magic bullet. But the the shot of MacGyver in this hot air balloon with just a big map patch on it is pretty is pretty neat finish to the yeah. opening gambit. And, uh, you know, and obviously, like you said, the stunt is more visually interesting if he's climbing on the outside of right. the balloon. Right, yeah. Plus, he'd probably catch fire if he was on the inside of the balloon. Well, yeah, I mean, like right uh, above that. Flame. Yeah, you'd have to cl- you'd have to crawl past that that heated uh, yeah. exhaust. But uh, that's the opening uh, gambit, which leads into the credits, opening credits. Right, and I think a lot of people have said that that's the best of the entire series. Really, the entire series? As... Well, obviously, we're just getting we're just getting started. Yeah, uh, I do really like it. I, as I, again, I think it's you, I think you had mentioned that it's a really good example of who MacGyver is yeah. and what he can do with just one object. I think it really sets up the character well. And I think it, it could easily have been the very first opening gambit. Oh, yeah. Well, the opening, that's what's so great about the opening gambits. They're all interchangeable. Yeah, they can kind of switch around. I wonder if they just had, like, opening gambit shoot days. It's like, oh, okay, just like, oh, we're going to do three of them? Yeah, we're just going to crank out three opening gambits. Although I wouldn't be surprised, um, just based on the look of the set, if... Um, this opening gambit was shot along with the episode The Gauntlet because it kind of feels like the same, like kind of location. Yeah, the location looks very similar, except there are signs painted on all the buildings that are in Spanish, right, to indicate that this is sort of a Central American country, but is which it, we don't see in the opening gambit, at right? All. And it is a hard cut from him being inside the village to immediately open desert, right? Like, yeah, th- there's no like transition, so yeah, we can't so, really see. So the... it's not. It doesn't appear that these two areas were in the same location for right. the shoot yeah all right then we get into the episode mm-hmm. um and our in the beginning he's talking about how you know he got the map handed off and and immediately he was recruited by a publisher to get this uh journalist out of central america before things went south which is interesting because uh this is like a first this is like a non-government mission Right. This is this is like more more showing that he's. I don't say it's like a mercenary. Yeah, it's a almost a mercenary thing. Yeah, he's he's just being hired by a citizen, mm-hmm. and it's not even any any kind of authority figure. Yeah, yeah. So this is this is like a personal. He's well, which also makes it more. And I say more at stake, but like uh, he doesn't have any backup. He doesn't have anyone to fall back on. Right. Yeah. He I doesn't mean, have a government to lean on. Yeah. And uh, we couldn't figure out, like they said, it's a Central American city that borders Mexico, a uh, country that borders Mexico. So that narrows it down to Guatemala and Belize. And I think it has to be Guatemala because I think someone on the forums had said that Belize doesn't border Mexico on a river. I think it does, though. 
does it? Yeah, I think I think well, I think sections of Guatemala are river, and sections of Belize are river. Well, I know at the time that Guatemala was kind of uh, in a state of transition; it was kind yeah. of a mess at the time, and so it could very easily have been just playing the part of Guatemala. Right, right. I mean, there's only two countries to choose from, sure. so uh, use your imagination. But they avoided I offending anyone yeah. by not mentioning where this takes place. So uh, he arrives there. And uh, in the small village, and immediately helps like some girl who's being accosted by uh, some of the the local military because the military is pretty much in control, not, not in total control because this uh, the general Velasquez Vasquez sorry uh, is attempting to seize control. Right. But he's currently in charge of the the secret yeah, police and he, the military. He is in a position of power, but he's he's about to make a deal that's going to give him power over the entire country. Correct. Rather than just this particular area of it. But yeah, this woman is being harassed by these police, and MacGyver steps in to like kind of bribe the right. the officers, and he does this like bizarre, out of nowhere <laughs> Jack Nicholson impression. Oh, I'm sorry, maybe you guys don't recognize me. The name's Jackson, Andrew Jackson. You may have seen my picture on the front of the twenty dollar bill. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Perhaps you heard my name. It's Andrew Jackson. Yeah, maybe you heard of me. And then. Uh, and then as the girl's leaving, she kind of, like, laughs it off, like, oh, those military police are always <laughs> sexually harassing me. It's hilarious. Thanks for paying them, though. Bye. And then I, at first I thought that he had some business with her to, like, talk right. to her about something, but she just disappears. Yeah, or, or that she would come back and, oh, that's the American who helped me. Yeah. Like, yeah, but there's nothing. Yeah, she never she never comes back in the episode, even though he moves in her direction, but he's not right. not actually looking for her. Uh, but from there, he finds like a small uh, local newspaper, that's, uh, which the photographer seems to work with, but not exactly for. Uh, right. Because it seems like they're pretty much an independent. You know, yeah, she's a reporter that he's like recruited to help undermine this this, uh, this government general. seizure yeah. that's going on. So uh, that's when we meet Robin. Well, we first meet the, the the newspaper printer, and then we meet Robin Curtis's character of Kate Connolly. Right. Uh, and Robin Curtis. Uh, for your fans of Star Trek, played uh, replaced Kirstie Alley as Savick in Star Trek's three and four. Right, Search for Spock and and uh, Voyage Home. Right. Yeah, Kirstie Alley had previously played Savick in Wrath of Khan. But Robin Curtis's scene in Voyage Home is super short, anyway. So Robin Curtis is to Kirstie Alley as Kirstie Alley is to Shelley Long. So she convinces MacGyver that she can't leave until she gets a photograph of this arms dealer played by John Vernon as Dave Ryerson is the character who MacGyver has previously met, uh, who's an arms dealer who he had, MacGyver had somehow gotten deported, had somehow, uh, whatever their encounter led to him not being allowed what MacGyver says in this hemisphere, unless he's in jail. Right. So he's been banished to the East, presumably like he works for some, uh, communist or so Kate convinces him to, go with him to get a photo of the deal, the final deal between Ryerson and uh, General Vasquez. Right. And the, they go to this, This uh, it kind of looks like the mansion from the end of uh, Commando and yeah. uh, Beverly Hills Cop. I'm not comfortable saying that it is. Right, right. But there's scenes where they're walking through the yard and you see this, I mean, it's it's kind of a Spanish style in both of those movies right, right. too. So, But it, it looks a lot like it if it's not the same. I think it's 609 East, East Channel Road. <laughs> Let's just give the address out. Yeah. So if anyone wants to go there, I believe that's the address. Some poor person's house is not even, it's not even a close <laughs> it's match. Not even, I'm going to have to bleep that. Uh, so they sneak over the wall. Um, which is electrified. Right. And uh, 
I mean, it's not, it's not, I wouldn't really call it a MacGyverism, but he does take some of her camera equipment to just kind of tie two of the lines together so they can squeeze underneath them. It almost feels like they might have completed a circuit by doing that. If you yeah. pulled them any tighter, like, yeah. what if it would started arcing and just set the strap on fire? Yeah, he, he said it would, uh, it was, he said it was really high voltage. I think I would uncurl your hair. Yeah. But uh, he's so casual about the way he wraps up the lines. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I always feel like touching any kind of wires is super dangerous. Well, MacGyver's built up an, a slow immunity to electricity <laughs> over the years. He's really just doing it for her. He's fine. Right, right. So they break into the uh, into the compound, and she manages to snap a few photos of Vasquez and Ryerson hugging. Like, they, they clearly have met each other before. Like, it's so great to, to see you. you. <laughs> yeah. Calls him comrade and all that. Yeah. Um, Typical but, communist introduction. Yeah, exactly. This is this is not. Yeah, these are all like bad, bad yeah. folks. They said comrade. That's how you know they're bad. <laughs> that's the that's the indicator. So, but Kate isn't satisfied with just a photo of them hugging. Uh, she wants an actual handshake, deal closing, kind of evidence. Yeah. So they sneak up closer. Way, way closer, closer. <laughs> like six feet away from these guys, and they're staring through like a, just a wide open hole right. in the door. It, it, there, there's almost no way they could not have seen them. And when we see MacGyver's angle on this, MacGyver and Kate looking through the window, we're looking head on at like three henchmen standing behind Vernon right. and, and uh, Gregory Sierra as uh, as the general, and they're they're clearly looking right at MacGyver. There's no way they don't see him. Right. And or or see like the like the flare off the the lens of the camera. Yeah. Like I guess they're just too preoccupied with the table of arms and plastique and uh, rocket launchers and all that stuff. Or they're just on whatever drugs this guy's. These guys selling. Yeah, that's, that, that's how he he keeps his soldiers well in, <laughs> well inebriated with drugs. <laughs> so she gets a photo of of the table of weapons of Ryerson and Vasquez, but she says it's not enough. She still wants the handshake, so she has to switch cameras. So she switches to a different camera, which is extremely noisy uh, for the handshake. And they, that's the thing that immediately calls their attention. Yeah, and even then, it's not Ryerson and the general that notice the sound. It's it's like two henchmen that are outside that hear it. Right. And they start shouting to MacGyver and Kate, and then the general and, uh, and Ryerson turn, and they're like, oh, yeah. there's someone right there. There's someone there. Like, so close. That's crazy. <laughs> that scared me a little how bit. Do, how do we not notice? They just snuck up on us. But so of course Ryerson immediately recognizes uh, his old friend MacGyver. Yeah, he's like, I don't know this woman, but uh, I know this MacGyver person. So he's anxious to uh, to tell him about how he's gonna kill him and how how much they celebrate funerals down here in this country. Yeah, this kind of leads into my favorite so far, at least MacGyverism from the show. Yeah, which is. Um, after they make all their threats and everything, obviously Kate's being resistant to hand over the evidence that she's just collected, but they can't really go anywhere. Right. And MacGyver says, let's not play dumb about this. Like, give him the, give him the stuff. So he doesn't take the camera that she took the handshake with, right? I, I feel like that's the camera that he tosses to her. I thought he tossed to her him. a much bigger camera. I thought she had a really small camera that she took the handshake photo I, with. Yeah, it, it seemed like the camera was was flatter but taller. Maybe. Than her original camera, and that's the camera that they took the film out. But they have the other camera still with the hugging. Right. So she still has a camera with photographs of this right. transaction, at least. Um, but he hands them a camera that has a flash on it, 
that they set on the table with all their weapons and plastique and everything that mm. Ryerson is promising unlimited delivery of. Um, and so they kind of position themselves against the table um, while these guys are rifling through the cameras to take them apart, to take the film right. out. They're unraveling, and, they're pulling the film yeah, right out. But they've left the flash unit on the table. And so MacGyver takes one of the cameras, um, he, ta- he takes the flash, plugs it into the cable that would activate the flash, mm-hmm. plugs it into the plastique that's sitting on the table, yeah. and then sets the timer on the camera. So that way they have however long it was going to take for the shutter to go off for it to send a signal to the flash to go off, mm-hmm. but now it's plugged into the explosives on the table, and he kind of grabs a piece of... He grabs the rest of it so that he doesn't kill everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and, Which is a good move. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was smart, but he, he grabs uh, the big chunk of plastic and kind of holds it up between himself and Kate to show her, like, this is what's happening right now. We need to move away. But she's not she paying... Does, she has no idea what yeah, plastic is. Because uh, she he, she's already just seen... One camera destroyed, and then her. Yeah, she's second... preoccupied with her her belongings being messed with. Yeah, because she because she brought three cameras, and two of them now are, one of them's being used as a time delay fuse, and the other one has just had all the film taken out. So she's only got the one left. Yeah, and so he kind of positions himself between her and the explosion, and kind of gets her to back away. Right as these guys are realizing, oh, something weird's happening, they mm-hmm. start to turn around. They're like, "What are you doing?" And then the timer goes off. The explosive sets fire to everything on the yeah. table and he kind of lunges with her against the wall to get away um and I, vasquez is thrown yeah, by the yeah explosion vasquez and ryers and are kind they're of at like least down. incapacitated temporarily yeah. and, and they, they they push through a door where there's another guard standing out that wooden door that separates this little patio and macgyver just clocks him with the door yeah yeah and then <laughs> he grabs the gun he's got he grabs the guy's machine gun and then he like looks around for a second, and then he throws it. Yeah, he throws it away. I mean, like he could have solved his all his problems yeah. with just two just shots. Shoot Ryerson and Vasquez, <laughs> and then you're done. There's, yeah. And there's no guards between you and the gate to leave. Exactly. And he just books it. Uh, but instead, he he closes the gate lock that is like right within arm's reach of the. It's Which like, Ryerson takes all of one second to undo yeah. on its way out. It, it took MacGyver longer to lock it yeah. than it took them to unlock it. Uh, by the way, this lock clearly added by the set decorators because yeah. there would be no purpose for the for a lock on the outside of your patio door mm-hmm. so easily accessed from inside the patio. Right. So they make their way, they run, uh, they hit the gate button uh, on the little control panel that's up by, the, closer to the house, so it's pretty far from the gate. Uh, and they run the gates opening, but then uh, one of the soldiers manages to come and hit the close button, so they just barely slip through the gate as it closes. Which is one of the shots from our opening credits. Yep, opening credits is in there. him sliding through the gate at the last second. Uh, so they make their way back to the newspaper, but the military has already beat them there. Uh, Ryerson and Vasquez had uh, taken control or started using the military resources to block their exit in the first place they thought that they would go would be back to the newspaper. Yeah. So and they, again, as we get there, she's just complaining about her cameras. Right. Until MacGyver's like, hey, shut up. Look what's happening. Yeah, your friend's dead, your friend's dead by the way. Yeah, they're dragging your buddy out of here. The guy that was running the uh, the, the printing press Correct. When, when MacGyver first showed up. So they, they take refuge in a church, and MacGyver comes up with a plan, a distraction, classic MacGyver distraction. It feels like they're almost like, they they chose a church because it was nearby, but also they're kind of having a funeral for the guy. Yeah, well, it's, it's a solemn moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, plus, it's also like you know most bad guys just avoid churches. It's a it's a it's a standard kind of trope. It's yeah, like, they, oh, they just whoa. start smoking if they walk in the door. <laughs> um, but MacGyver, although 
although welcomed in the church, uh, goes out and immediately steals a bunch of stuff. Right. Well, he steals stuff on the way in, too, because yeah. before they get to the church, he nabs a, a thing of fireworks off right. of, like, a stand on the street. And then well, steal... Maybe he paid for them. We don't, we don't see that, That's true. He could have. Yeah. Uh, but then he definitely takes some prayer candles. Yeah. Uh, and uh, takes them up to the bell tower, where he creates a very elaborate machine to to release the bell and then have the bell he's got a candle taped inside the bell that will light fireworks also taped inside the bell as it's tolling and just create all kinds of noise and explosions and yeah. just it's another of MacGyver's uh, Rube Goldberg MacGyverisms yeah. which we haven't seen I think since the Golden Triangle was the last one with... yeah it's it's a pretty elaborate one yeah uh, but it's on a time delay fuse with a, another candle Right. So using that time, they uh, sneak out and hide, hide inside of a bus. And uh, but before that, sorry, before that, MacGyver takes a winch off one jeep and then ties it around the tow hook of another jeep. Right. So they kind of like set up a set up some other stuff to to go on while they make their bus escape. Yeah. And uh, he grabs the mirror off the the the. the it's a rearview mirror, but it's really more of like a passenger view mirror, right? Is that what, how would you describe it? Um. Yeah, because it's not really. I mean, in a bus, you're not going to be able to see the whole way out the back window. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it's really more just like to keep an eye keep on keep an people. eye on the people in the car. Yeah. Uh, so he grabs that and tapes it to the driver's seat, facing out towards the window. Yeah, and so then, that he could be crouched down by the pedals correct. and see out the front window. Yeah, and then you know, so then he he doubles it up with a her makeup compact, which he seems to you know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but he uses makeup women's makeup compacts. Quite yeah, that's a, true. Quite a bit. We'll see it again in, I think, the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, they're, they're, they're handy devices. Yeah. Uh, so it's a good he, thing that women are so preoccupied with their looks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> MacGyver would just be screwed. Especially while, while photojournalizing. Photojournalizing? Photo, photo that's, a, that's a thing, right? <laughs> in South America. Yeah. Uh, so they uh, start up the bus and make their getaway. And you know they're being fired upon. You know the, the periscope ends up doing its job because their their the windows get shot out. Right. Uh, so when the jeep starts to take off after them, that's when the winch catches it. Because they're pretty, all on each other's tow hooks. And... Yeah, it's a pretty crazy thing watching this jeep flip over. Yeah, this over. jeep gets thrown the whole way down the street, kind of. Uh, and so I'm not exactly sure on the physics of that. If <laughs> if they're on a plane and they're towing in opposite directions, I right. don't think anything should be flipped completely like that. I don't know. I don't think those engines are powerful enough to just toss each other around like that. And it was cool either way. Yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. I'm not complaining. But this uh, this beginning part where they steal the bus kind of made me start thinking about the movie The Gauntlet, which mm. this episode is called The Gauntlet. There's a movie called The Gauntlet, which is directed by Clint Eastwood and starring Clint Eastwood with Sandra Locke and Pat Hingles in there. Mm. And uh, and it's not that different from the, the basic story of this episode, which is there's a woman with really incriminating evidence. People in power don't want this evidence to come to light. Right. So someone is sent in to deliver this woman from one place to another, which MacGyver has to take her out of the country. And in the in the movie, um, Clint Eastwood has to get this woman um, from Las Vegas to, I'm trying to remember now, I think it's Santa Fe or somewhere, mm. to another city. Um, and along the way, they run into all these problems, which is, I mean, hence the term the gauntlet. Right. But the, it comes up to the point that MacGyver, that uh, Clint Eastwood, like MacGyver, has to steal a bus and ends up armoring the bus so that they can drive it and get mm -hmm. away from all these 
but just the the him and a girl in a bus by themselves right. trying to get away from criminals to get this girl to somewhere that she can deliver her information. They're under fire. And yeah, they're they're both getting shot at the whole time, and and it's just very, very similar story. So mm-hmm. I understand the, the 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 title being the gauntlet for this episode. So they're driving the bus away now. Yeah. They they leave the village. They're on a road. They they were only what they say. I think they they're only like a couple of kilometers from the Mexican border. Uh, but they're being pursued, obviously, by the military. I thought it was like a hundred miles away from the border. Was it a hundred miles? It was. It was a. But you know, they had the bus for a while. They did. They, yeah. There, there isn't. There isn't like an act break. Uh, uh, because between the escape and the, them driving, right. so we yeah. don't know how much time has passed. Yeah. But there's an airplane flying overhead that's uh, tracking them, so they can't really get out of the way. So MacGyver tries to drive them through some trees and some underbrush to disguise it, and while desperate for another shot kate Connolly leans out the window or the, the the bus doors yeah she takes her journalism more seriously than she takes being alive or getting yeah. away from people trying to kill her um which she, i guess is good yeah i mean <laughs> she's this is what this is why but, she's a good reporter but a lot of the time it gets her into like more problems and it makes it harder to get the information out because yeah. in this instance she's like oh stop driving like that i'm trying to get my shot and mm-hmm. then they end up crashing the bus right because because uh she thinks she's gonna fall out so she overcompensates and throws herself against him into him and then and then he spins the wheel out of control yeah and they drive down into a into a bog of swampy kind of thing which it looks like they actually submerged a bus probably not a functional bus like yeah you had mentioned it's yeah it's it's probably probably out of commission yeah but still that's sure they drove this bus down a hill and the expense of having to drag it back up because yeah, who knows yeah. they maybe have done had to do it more than once yeah 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 uh it, so like they kind of make their way through the swamps while still heading for the border that's the only thing that they can do right and this is where it feels the most romancing the stone to me yes is is from the bus crash to the the whole they end up camping out for the night and mm-hmm. uh and eating a lizard yep yep which she says uh macgyver you don't eat things like that you call pest control. Hard cut to her immediately eating the lizard. Yeah. And then this this feels a lot like, I mean, it's kind of a combination of the love interests from Raiders and Temple of Doom. Yeah. Because the the setting makes it a Temple of Doom story, but this feels very much like MacGyver's Karen Allen. Yeah, oh, because she, she's, much, she's much more rough and tumble. Yeah, she can definitely fight, which is weird because of the whole pest control thing. Like, yeah. she, like the whole time she seems like, just as cool as MacGyver, and then suddenly she's like, "Oh my God, you can't eat a lizard. That's gross." And it's like, "Yeah, you remember you've been living in Guatemala for a long time. Like this stuff's on the street here." Like, yeah, I'm sure. Can... I'm sure you have eaten it multiple times. Yeah. No offense to the good people of Guatemala. And their lizards. Um, but then uh, things get a little, little steamy. Right. Because uh, she takes the take, you know, eats the lizard, kind of gives him, you know, this little gives him eyes. And she goes to lay down. She goes, "Do you want to join me?" And you know, he says, "Oh, it's a very, it's a very fine offer." Which you think, you know, okay, he's going to decline because yeah. like they're in danger. There's no time for this. No time for love, Doctor Jones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but you know, she says, "Is that a yes or a no?" And then he cuddles sort up to her. Fade to morning. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely implied encounter. Uh, which is the first. This is the first time that that's happened right. on the show. So His first girl. This is what leads to the inevitable sequel with Shia LaBeouf um, showing up. <laughs> showing up <laughs> as this, the sun. This was his conception. <laughs> In the jungles of Guatemala. Yes. At this point, yeah. I think the general and Ryerson are setting up 
sort of a blockade okay. at the Mexican border yeah. because um, they know that they're out there and their their plane somehow lost sight of them when it crashed. Like, right. it seems see- like that should have been when it became really easy to keep track of Yeah, them. exactly. And they don't find the bus until the next morning somehow. Like, right. there's not actually soldiers looking at it until after we've faded to morning. Mm-hmm. They find the bus and they're like, oh, they're not here. Like, maybe they just assume they died in the crash and didn't investigate until the morning, or... Well... It's not clear. It's not clear. But Ryerson seems very excited, the fact that they're on foot, because... And Vasquez is pissed off that every time something goes wrong, he seems super excited about yeah. it. Yeah. Because John Vernon really plays the role well. Yeah. Like, uh, he's he's always smiling, he's always excited at the, the prospect of the hunt. And he's the, a very giddy criminal. Yeah. It, it, but it's good. It's a good way to play it. Yeah, it's more fun that way. Yeah. Like, John Vernon, obviously known for playing villains or villainous men yeah so i guess you just kind of get to the point where you know what you're doing yeah if you've hired john vernon you know what you're getting yeah uh the only time you write characters for john vernon yeah also kind of weird like you know we made the clint eastwood gauntlet and uh dirty harry john vernon plays the oh right yeah the the mayor yeah that's funny always the bad guy yeah, well, he, we, yeah, he wasn't really the bad guy in in Dirty Harry. He was but just he, he was trying to save face with the city. Like right. he, he wasn't he wasn't a friend. To he Harry. was kind of he was kind of like Clyde Kasatsu's character in in the Golden Triangle. Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. like uh, I'm at odds with you only because I care about my job and protecting these other people. Exactly. Uh, so they come across the Mexican border, the river that leads to the Mexican border, but Vasquez and Ryerson have already beat them there. Right. So they have to figure out a way to go through them. And somehow they've blocked the entire border. The entire river. Like, just it's this... not even a border crossing. It's just a river. I it... don't know how they decided on that point to set up their blockade. Yeah. Because we've seen MacGyver in Thief of Budapest just drive through. Yeah. Why, uh... why doesn't he just follow the road to where it actually crosses over yeah. New Mexico and just drive, plow through it? Yeah, because uh, they do manage to procure a Jeep by faking uh, surrender. Right. Moments before this, like MacGyver's carrying uh, Robin Curtis and like throws her at one of the guards, and while she's in his arms, he, punches the other guy. Yeah, punches up, and then she whips the guy with her camera and breaks and, her third and last camera. Yeah, exactly, her lucky camera. Right. Which, if anything happened to it, she would die. Or kill. Or kill. Yeah. So presumably that man is dead. Yeah. <laughs> she killed. Him. Yeah, she killed that guy with her camera. Well, they don't seem to get up. Yeah, they don't get up. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> they back out. over them by accident. Yeah. All right, Connolly. Yes. <laughs> he's so excited he, by he's her. He's like, I've I've transformed her into a MacGyver. <laughs> she figured out a camera is also a face club. <laughs> a face club. <laughs> uh, so they have the jeep that can't get past the border. So they double back to a barn. And again, they have a plane out there looking for them, right? Um, but somehow still can't keep track of them. So they steal this jeep. This this time we're led to believe the reason the plane can't find them is because they actually pulled it into a barn, right? Right. That's like off the road somewhere. Yeah, there aren't many places to hide. I mean, the military is on foot and on vehicle behind them, moving towards them. So they they have limited limited amount of time to come up with a plan. Yeah. And uh, so in the barn, they they find like some barrels and they managed to use like the engine oil and car gasoline to rig up, rig up a couple of small bombs and smoke screens right uh, using the equipment and when the general finds out from the the pilot of the plane that he can't see them he he makes a comment he says can't just disappear like shadows yeah which i recognize from our previous episode thief of budapest when uh, 
when Yana's getting chased down by MacGyver and her father or uncle, or it's not clear their relationship yeah, yeah, the says. Relationship. Yana, she can vanish like a shadow in the sunshine. So I just thought that was funny. Maybe some writer was like, oh, no, I really, really like this metaphor. Like, yeah, you got to yeah. put it in there again. Vanish like simile, I guess. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, <laughs> the no, reuse it, of simile. It's not, a, it's not a, it's an expression that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Well, especially when you leave out in the sunshine, yeah. which the the general just says they can't just vanish like shadows, and it's like, what are you talking about? Do yeah. shadows just vanish? I, I've never been like standing out and just poop. You need ah. to you need to finish the metaphor. <laughs> give it give us an explanation. Um, so they got all their barrels rigged up on a big old cart, like it, it's a, it's almost cartoonishly loaded. Yeah, like they're all like hanging over in a in a heap. Yeah, they look like the Beverly Hillbillies just brought the oil with them. It's just right. completely <laughs> overloaded. <laughs> um, and they drive this Jeep, which MacGyver has now filled the radiator with gasoline. Right. And I was like, oh, God. So it's like a ticking time bomb. They can yeah. go off at any moment. But as usual, MacGyver has no concern about driving it at yeah. whatever pace he feels yeah, like. Yeah, they've, they've covered the engine in oil to make it, like, smog up. And, uh, of course, the, the plane spots them, but uh, neglects to indicate that they've got stuff with them. Like, he says, oh, we see them. Oh, we can see them now. They're Which, com- yeah, they're coming your way. Yeah. It's also funny, too, before when, when he tells them, I, I can't find them. And he says, well, keep looking. And he's like, well, I'm pretty low on fuel and he says i don't care keep looking it's like i don't know if you know how planes work but i can't keep looking if i don't have fuel so it's a it's kind of a thing it's a catch-22 <laughs> not really though because <laughs> no. i should just refuel uh i just wouldn't tell him yeah. <laughs> just go just refuel. Like, okay i'm gonna keep looking yep i don't see anything he's just like standing at a gas <laughs> <Yeah, I see. laughs> You hear the ding, ding. What's that sound? Uh, uh, plane's dinging. I don't know. Should I stop? <laughs> so they, they get back to the ridge where the border is. And, you know, of course, they, they, they already see the smoke coming up from the Jeep. Which Vasquez is like, oh, there they are. And then Ryerson's like, ah, oh, this is a problem. <laughs> like, yeah. already he can tell some kind of plane is underway because there's a cloud of smoke to the point that you couldn't possibly shoot them because right. you can't you can't even tell really where the car is exactly you, just, you just know they're coming so uh vasquez starts sending his troops up the hill and then uh kate Connolly and macgyver start rolling down these kind of molotov cocktail barrels you know lighting rags and then rolling them down yeah and uh well they send the jeep down first uh and so you know which everyone's firing on yeah everyone's shooting at it uh and then when it impacts, I guess the gasoline in the radiator is ruptured and yeah. finally catches fire and explodes. Yeah. And then that's when the barrels start kind of like rolling down, exploding, because they're shooting at them as they're coming down the hill. Yeah. Uh, rolling out. They're trying to get – one guy's just like straight up like Donkey Kong running away from a barrel. Yeah. And then as they're like – some of them are getting fired on and exploding and – with the explosion, we're seeing soldiers tossed through the air, but some of them seem to be jumping in the path of the explosion yeah. somehow. Like, they were blown in front of the barrels yeah, that are they, coming down the hill on fire. They're just leaping all over the place. Yeah. But then one barrel comes down, a large wooden crate. Well, they send down one. Yeah, it looks like they have two, because you see MacGyver throw one, one barrel down. that has it has these, like, rims with handles right, right. around the outside. And he throws one. And then later we see an identical barrel, or probably right. the same barrel, coming down the hill. Yeah. And we're led to believe through voiceover that they're inside of it because mm-hmm. MacGyver says, hold on, Connolly. And she's like, yeah. hold on to what? Yeah. And, oh, God, you know how sick you would be just tumbling oh, yeah. around. Like, 
they make it to the water. It rolls out into the water like a f- couple of feet, and they break out. But it's just like you wouldn't know which way it is up. Right. Like you'd just be like, I hope I'm swimming the right way. And at this point, like, I guess maybe they can't hear them talking. Like we're we're supposed to be like listening to a mic from inside the barrel. Right. But this is this has to be the last barrel coming down the hill. But it's not. But it's not. There's more <laughs> barrels. Like someone, like the ghost of her friend is tossing more barrels down the yeah. hill after them. But if this is the last barrel coming down, it's significantly bigger than the other barrels. Mm. And you can hear people talking in it. Yeah. Like, why are they not firing on just this one? And so the last barrel comes down and makes it the whole way to the river and they get out of it somehow. Yeah. Um, and start swimming for Mexico while these soldiers are shooting at the last few barrels that are still somehow tumbling down coming the hill. Coming down the hill. Uh, but they still, but they manage to spot them swimming, right? And but uh, by then they're like almost a hundred feet away, yeah. so it's impossible to shoot that far. <laughs> uh, and as MythBusters have taught us, uh, you can just dive one foot underneath the water, and then and the trajectory of a bullet is completely useless. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but they have to stop shooting because they're getting dangerously close to shooting the Mexican border patrol that's on the other side of the river. And they don't want to start an international incident. Yeah. Um, which, but it's so great because again, MacGyver. We've seen crashes through border gates, right. and they just welcome him in. And then here's Mexico, and they just swam across the border. And they from... make a customs joke as he's, as they're surfacing on the yeah. other side. Do you have anything to declare before we take you to jail? <laughs> yeah. And MacGyver's just like, oh, wise guy, huh? Like, hold it, buddy. I'm the only one who yeah. makes jokes on this show. <laughs> and, they're, and they're deep into Mexico. I mean, they're in the southern part of Mexico. I don't imagine there's as many English-speaking uh, people down well, there. Well, I, I assume at least the Border Patrol would be that's true have have more of a handle on it but um it's funny because nowadays it just feels like the situation would be totally reversed like macgyver would definitely be trying to get out of mexico yeah <laughs> it's like you, you're never like rushing to the safe arms of mexico at this point <laughs> um but then uh the best one of the best parts is that kate sets up her she manages to macgyver her her broken camera into a functional camera again. Yeah. And uh, which so, we don't actually see. She just it just happens. She pulls somewhere. it out and MacGyver's like, I thought it was broken and she's like, I fixed it. Yeah. MacGyver style. <laughs> so, uh but then she sets it up to take a picture of her, the four of them with the two border patrol agents. But the photograph that's taken looks like, so like a freeze frame of the episode. It's from the camera angle. Yeah, you see the camera in the in the in the photo. <laughs> yeah. Like they couldn't just like do a freeze frame of the they didn't have the production budget to shoot one frame of film. <laughs> like to zoom in just a camera. little bit more to give it the impression that it's coming yeah. from the camera. Can we just pull the camera over here for a second and pretend that we have the budget for a camera on this show? <laughs> uh, but that's where it ends. That's the end of the episode. And then right as they're taking the picture, the back of her head is exploding from getting shot from, <laughs> from people across the well, river. Because Vasquez had gave Ryerson an ultimatum that, like, if they come away with this evidence, we're both sunk because I'm going to make sure you die right. as a result of this. And he, and he, you know, at the end he says, I keep my promises. Like, he's not he's not going to try and start a war with Mexico. Now it's all on Vernon. Yeah. And uh, and uh, presumably he keeps it because this yeah. is John Vernon's last episode. Exactly. So, <laughs> so we, we don't see Dave Ryerson again. Um, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Yeah. I, it's a good episode. It is a good episode. I, I, I like it. Um. You know, it's not high on my list, but it's certainly not low. It's it's exciting. It's got some shoot 'em ups. It's got John Vernon uh, and car chases and explosions, and it's good stuff. Yeah, I'll and wait. like we said, it's a great opening gambit. Oh, absolutely, really so, great opening gambit. So uh, this is actually Lee Katzen's first um, 
the first one that he directed the full episode full of. episode yeah um we had mentioned he had previously done uh, the opening gambit of thief of budapest um which i believe is the horse thief okay uh, where it gets pulled up on the helicopter yeah which um i wouldn't be surprised if they use the same sand dunes there for, that's true that's for true. the opening gambit here wonder where those dunes are they gotta be somewhere here in california yeah but uh, they're so they're so perfect. Though you know, um, the Kelso Dunes out in uh, the deserts out here, like it could be Sema, out there. Those those are pretty like Sahara looking desert. Yeah, dunes. that makes sense. So um, I mean, if yeah, if he did both of those opening gambits, then maybe they shot those on the same day. Yeah, <laughs> even if they had that location. But uh, yeah, all right. I think that uh, that closes out the gauntlet for us. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast. And as always, you can reach us on Twitter at, at @openinggambit, all one word. And of course, we can always be reached on our website at phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. Also, if you're enjoying the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Um, thanks again for listening to the show, and uh, stay tuned next week when we're going to be covering season one, episode five, "The Heist." Yeah. So that's a good one. It's a it's a, a very strong episode. Yeah, looking forward to that. So make make sure and stay tuned. All right, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.